This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we are on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle, from the second chair for the second chair. Well, welcome to the Leading Second podcast. My name is Taylor, and I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today, and I'm so excited to share with you a great episode that we have in store. It's a conversation on going the distance in ministry. But before we jump in, we are so excited to announce a fresh initiative, a new part of the Leading Second lineup leading second coaching groups. We are launching a new reimagined and immersive coaching group this fall of 2022 and applications are open now and we are so excited for you to join us and the heart behind these groups are built around this idea. Leadership growth and development never happen by accident or automatically. Leadership growth and development happen intentionally, often by placing ourselves with the right people in the right environment at the right time. So I have a question for you. One year from now, do you want to be at the same place as a leader that you are today? Most likely the answer is no. I have a second question for you. What are you going to do about it? Coaching groups are for executive pastors, campus pastors, or anyone who serves on your church's leadership team. And this one-year coaching group experience and new team of coaches also includes an on-site retreat this winter that you will not want to miss, I promise. We're believing God is going to use these groups to sharpen executive leaders in the church. So head to our website, check out our Instagram, and consider applying. It will not be the same without you. Before we jump into the interview today, we have two second chair leaders, Alex and Ben Greco, sharing their leading second testimony. Let's listen in. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Well, my name's Alex. I am from Calgary and I am part of the team at Calgary Life Church. Uh, and I'm kind of involved in a lot of different areas, but I am especially involved in our creative department. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm also from Calgary and Calgary Life Church. And uh, I oversee our TV and video um, as well as got my hands in youth as well. What's your favorite cereal? I think to be a proper Christian, you have to have Cinnamon Toast Crunch as your number Amen. one, because not only is it the bread of life, but also the milk afterwards. I think Jesus mm. would be okay if we did communion Amen. with Cinnamon Toast Crunch and the milk afterwards. Yep. I'm going to have to say the same for that as my number one. And then maybe Honey Nut Cheers is the number two. Maybe Frosted Flakes. And if this is heresy, Brandon, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> How long have you served at your church? Well, uh... Ben and I are siblings, um, so we have had the pleasure of being a part of it since literally uh, me day one, and Ben was in the womb. I was in the womb when it started, but uh, I've been on uh, volunteering since I was 10 years old, so that's 12 years since being on a team, and then I've been working there for about three. What was it like when you first felt called into ministry? Uh, for myself, I don't think there was a moment where I felt called, um, but it was honestly just a passion and a love for the church, uh, which led me to just basically making the decision that regardless of 
who signs my paycheck, uh, where I am and what city I'm in, I'm always going to be involved in ministry. So, Yeah. And I always just felt um, maybe it's because I'm like a pastor's kid and I felt bred for this, like to see all the different areas of ministry. But I just felt... Um, that everything good in my life had come as involvement, like from my involvement in church, whether it was my friends or positive influences or wisdom that I was hearing coming from platform or just being around like-minded people. Uh, so I think it just stemmed from that and just walked into it with an open hand. And here I am, I guess, however many years later. Have you ever had a moment that you felt like quitting and how did you overcome that? Um, for me, like, I think, um, yeah, I think you, I think everyone would probably have some moment or moments for quitting. Um, and for myself, just overcoming that was really just self-reflection and realizing what my priority list was. And it's just not keeping your eyes on the, the big picture or rather not um, just uh, taking care of your own either spiritual, mental or physical health. Uh, for myself, like my my parents are my parents, they're my bosses, and they're my pastors. So they have the the trinity of like uh, oversight in my life. Um, so of course, when we butt heads at home or butt heads at church, sometimes it like carries over. So there's obviously been points in my life where I felt like <laughs> I'm <coughs> well. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I'm going to take my ball and go home. But the one thing that I learned early on was you make decisions when you're strong for when you're weak. So I had made a decision that regardless of how I feel, I'm not going to affect my involvement in church when I'm in a low moment. So when those low moments came and I felt like, do you know what, what am I doing here? I felt discouraged. I'd always made that decision. I'm not going to make a moment then in a temporary moment of pain. I'm not going to make a permanent mistake or permanent decision. So that's what I would encourage is if you're in that low moment, don't make a decision now when your emotions are getting the best of you. Make a decision when you're on the mountaintop, when you're level, and when you've got a good kind of view and clarity of what you're, where you're at. What one rhythm have you put into place to stay healthy and or keep growing in your role? For myself, um, it's uh, having a devotional life as well as making sure that I am doing something physical, uh, fitness-wise, um, consistently, whether it's working out, playing basketball, whatever. I need that or else I go crazy uh, and it affects the rest of my life. <laughs> so that's my thing. Uh, for myself, uh, I try my best to see a counselor or a therapist every few months just to do a little checkup, whether I'm doing well or not. Uh, maybe I'm like on a bit of a low. Uh, and throughout some meetings with him, we discovered that I don't have enough fun, which is kind of an interesting thing. So after one of my sessions with him, he diagnosed me with not having enough fun in my life. So I look to have fun and I schedule in fun time which I'm an Enneagram one, which I know is the Christian horoscopes. But if you know what an Enneagram one is, they pr like try to have work and then play as a reward. But I don't think you should have fun in life as a reward. You should enjoy life because life's meant to be enjoyed and that's what God is bringing, a fulfillment and a life more abundant. So I try to have fun as much as I can, whether that's video games, going to the gym, playing ice hockey, whatever that is, fun. What's one thing you would like to tell someone who's just getting their start in ministry? Uh, I think the biggest thing that I could say to you is just to maintain um, the big picture at all times. Always remind yourself is the big picture why you're doing this, um, why you're here, uh, and the purpose of what 
uh, what what your ministry is, and that's going to be your fuel. It's not going to be people encouraging you. It's not going to be people discouraging you. It's not going to be the ups. It's going to be the downs. You have to keep your eye on the goal, and you have to maintain that big picture. Um, and then that's what's going to carry you because as long as your eyes are there, then your your um, uh, your spirit's going to follow. Yeah. Um, I would say one, lead with an open hand. Take whatever God puts into your hands and just run with it. And don't close your fist on it because God can't put anything else in your hand if you've closed your fist. So just open it up and maybe you get moved into a different area that you're not such a big fan of, but God's got something for you there. And a second thing is remember your pastors are human. And sometimes coming onto staff, you start to see more of the humanity side than you might see on a Sunday morning. You might see them after an argument with their wife. You might see them when they're having a bad day or they're having a fight with their kids. But most importantly, just remembering that above all else, they're also a human and giving them the grace to outwork their faith and outwork their life and not putting pre-exposed or pre-imposed um, expectations that they're gonna be perfect that they're always gonna be a certain way. Um, and that would be the one thing, just guarding your heart and not allowing this bitterness and unfair expectations on your pastors as you step into it. If you want to share your Leading Second testimony, reach out to us on social media at Leading Second. For today's interview, we are honored to welcome Jim Weidman from The Belonging Co. to the podcast. Jim is the executive operations pastor at The Belonging Co. in Nashville, Tennessee. Brandon sits down with Jim to talk about going the distance in ministry. Let's jump into the conversation today. Well, Jim, so good to be talking to you today. Uh, Welcome to the Leading Second Podcast. Glad you're here. Oh, man. It is great to be with you, Brandon. So excited. Yeah, and I was really looking forward to this. I I respect you. I respect your journey in ministry and was just really excited for our tribe to get to um, dig some gold out of you today. So it's sure fun to be a part of what you're doing and just love this whole idea of leading second. And uh, it's so fun. Thank you. Thank you. Well, first of all, tell everybody um, about your church and, and what you do at the church. Yeah, I am so blessed. For the last five years, I have been the executive operations pastor at The Belonging in Nashville, Tennessee. We are kind of a church that started as a musician's church, started on Tuesday night. My pastor's Moved over from Australia not to start a church, but to mix records and uh, start just asking musicians where they go to church. And none of the Christian musicians in Nashville went to church. Wow. And, uh, wow. They got on, basically, they got on the buses Wednesday night. If you're going to be gone for a few days, you're not going to go to midweek service. And so uh, they got on the bus at midnight, traveled, uh, was gone, came in wee hours in the morning on Sunday. And Sunday afternoon from uh, doing country music and as well as Christian music. And one of the first things churches have done in the last several years is Mm -hmm. uh, cut out Sunday night service. So there was really no time for a Christian musician to go to church in Nashville. And so um, Pastor Henry and Alex, uh, they asked them to start a Bible study in Henry's studio. And it kind of gave way to the church. We still have a Tuesday night service. Uh, It's a lot of college kids as well as uh, those that travel and uh, Mm -hmm. that are touring musicians. 
but we do the whole Sunday thing now. Uh, church uh, just turned eight years old, and I've been able to be a part of it for five. And so uh, two different churches in my life that I got to join right before the third birthday of the church. And it's just been a blessing to be a part of that. And uh, the majority of our church is kind of 35 and under. Uh, we're growing in older people. But when I first started coming, uh, there was, um, you know, really less than 100 folks Uh 50 and above in our church. And so uh, I am 50 and above. uh, And uh, so it's kind of fun to uh, um, just be a part of what God's doing. And we're a presence-based church. And it really is fun to just, uh, uh, you know, a lot of churches say they don't have a 10-year plan and all these things. We really are just trying to follow the Lord and his leading. And it's just been so exciting. Beautiful. Um, you know, I love, uh, I love a good spreadsheet. Um, I enjoy, uh, HR stuff. I enjoy looking over a document and making sure church doesn't get sued. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, when I started in ministry back in the seventies, uh, the internet, uh, central air, uh, copiers, uh, nobody had any of that stuff. And now I, I feel like, uh, can't live without a computer and it's uh, right. been pretty fun. Just That's this awesome. whole journey. That's awesome. And you were, uh, before the belonging co you were in children's ministry. Uh, I know for, for a lot of years. Yeah, mainly, uh, it's so funny because I've always been a utility guy and yeah. this whole idea of leading second, I've had everybody's job before we hired someone at all the other churches right. that I worked at. And so I've literally done every job in the church. Uh, <laughs> you know, awesome. I, uh, it is so funny. Worked, you know, worked worked at uh, six churches in forty eight years, which I've uh, been able to stay put. But I've always, you know, just been a pastor's helper and love it and feel, you know, never felt like. I was supposed to be a senior pastor and really and truly love helping pastors and always wondered, you know, that whole scripture about if you're faithful and that which is another man, the Lord will give you your own. And and always wondered, well, I don't want my own. I don't feel like God's called me to my own. So what is my own going to look like? And, you know, I say Jim Wyden Ministries is just me helping other pastors. Right. I went from helping the pastors I'm on staff with to my own ministries, just consulting and helping with other yeah. leaders and pastors and coaching. And so uh, yeah. it's been fun, almost 50 years. Well, and to think that for some of us in the kingdom, that's that's the assignment. I mean, leading second is now, you know, it's a ministry. We formalized it, you know, really, really proud of it. But to be honest, it was born out of, six years of me on the road traveling to churches trying to help and everybody just asking the same questions, you know? So it it was really just born out of this, how do we help you win in your church? And we just saw some, you know, common needs, but don't you just think that that's an assignment in the kingdom? I mean, to, to, to come alongside others is a place. And once you work at a church that gets over 10,000 as a, as a, a second chair leader, nobody wants to hear you speak. They just want you to come be a secret shopper. Yeah. They want you to yeah. look at what they do. They want you That's to help right. with processes. And so, you know, consulting 
uh, kind of fell in my lap because that was all anybody wanted me to do. It's just come look and help me get this right. And so, uh, you know, it's just been, I'm more valuable to my pastors and my leaders walking around, not being on the platform, solving yeah. problems, uh, That's right. uh, dealing with things than I am just sitting on the front row. Amen. And, and yeah. um, you know, and so it's it's just been the greatest honor and privilege of my life. I love life. it. Absolutely. Well said. So I have a couple get to know you questions. I love asking these questions of every guest we have. So here we go. Number one, what was it like for you the day that you felt called into ministry? I love exploring this. Like, like how did you get your start in this? Yeah, I just, uh, my pastor told me to grab my Bible, get my guitar, go to children's church and don't come out. And uh, <laughs> um, I remember after that first Sunday, it was the longest month I'd ever spent an hour and a half. And, uh, you know, I, I came to know the Lord during the Jesus movement. So, right, uh, right. you know, if, if you ever took drugs, they put you in the youth group, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you, you'd come in, want to know your testimony because you had long hair and didn't look like you were saved. And once you told them your testimony, they'd say, did you ever do drugs? And you say, yes. And they just put you straight in youth. <laughs> Uh, so I guess the lady quit that was doing children's ministry and I was over leading worship and youth and ended up in children's church and ended up coming out 42 years later. And, uh, just kind of, um, I remember asking my pastor, how long am I going to have to do this? And he said, until God raises up somebody with a vision and two or three weeks in, I realized I was a somebody with a vision and, you know, just always felt that. Um, God called me to help a pastor, and it seemed like the area that um, every pastor needed my help in was in children's. And even, uh, you know, I started doing family stuff and children's at the belonging, and then um, uh, uh, moved into uh, operations just in the last few years. But it's great. I just love it. That's great. What do you love most about your church that you're a part of? To me, I love seeing young people hungry for the power and presence of God. Mm. And that's been uh, what's so fun. My pastors were uh, second chair leaders in their own right before mm. they became pastors. And I think, the, you know, the best pastors are folks that have worked for somebody else. Sure. And so they lead. They are the best uh, and uh, they just get it. And uh, uh, they care about you as individuals and not just um, for what you can do for them. They care more about me growing and becoming the man of God that Jesus wants me to be now than what I can do for them. Beautiful. Love it. What is the first thing you do every morning? Every morning. Uh, I give thanks. Uh, I've never mm. met a depressed, thankful person. I've never huh. met a burned out, thankful person. I've never met a person with marital problems that was thankful. Uh, I've never met anyone with their, uh, that was totally thankful that their home was out of balance or whack. And, and uh, so uh, I start giving thanks. And um, that's pretty mm. much the first hour. Uh, I'm awake every day. It's just go through wow. 
wow. opportunities that I was given. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, at my age, if you wake up, you know, it's, it's a big deal. <laughs> and, uh, so it's kind of fun. That's a lot of wisdom right there. I love it. Great, great answer. Um, last question. What is an influential podcast or book other than the Bible uh, that has impacted your life? Probably uh, a book I reread every year. And this sounds really crazy, but I don't read as much as I used to. Uh, I write a lot mm. and I have 15 books that I've written and the time I used to spend reading and I'll spend writing. I have eight books and parts right now that I'm trying to finish. Uh, uh, I feel like I've got a mandate that uh, before I go to heaven, these eight books have to be finished. And, um, you know, um, I'm at a totally different place in my life where I'm trying to finish well rather yeah. than, yeah. keep up with stuff. Uh, but, uh, it, the executive leader by Drucker is my mm. reread, uh, every January, I reread that book. Um, I look at everything that I've underlined in it, uh, time and time again. And I ask myself, why have I not applied this or have I? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I think, you know, I'm a big proponent of, going back to the four or five reads that's really impact you and start looking at what you underlined and really evaluate. Am I living this? Wow. Great. You we're just in the intro. You've given us enough to chew on today. I'm, I'm loving this. I'm loving this. I, I promise I'll end on time, but I could talk to you for a really long time. So <laughs> I, I, I appreciate this today. Um, so here's where I wanted to go with our with our conversation today. I wanted to talk to you about going the distance in ministry. And obviously, I know you and I both stand on the platform and the idea today that leading second is a calling. And and I, I'm, I'm going to ask you some questions about that. But, you know, you have, I think you said 48 years in ministry. And, um, hey, you can't shortcut that and you can't buy it. And uh, I want you to know I respect it and I honor it in you today. And maybe you can help us. I This might sound funny to you. Maybe it'll sound funny to someone listening. But can I tell you the moment that God called me to start this ministry, and I'll never forget it, um, the phrase that I couldn't get out of my mind, this might just sound so weird and funny to somebody, but the phrase I couldn't get out of my mind was God asking me to help leaders not to quit. That, that, that was like, that was like the overwhelming, just help them stay in the game. And for, I'm, I think every play we're trying to run is just keep going, you know, you know, run in such a way as to win the prize of the high calling of God over your life. So, so that's where I think this conversation comes from me today. And I'll, I'll start with this question, just, just straight up the middle why do you lead from the second chair? You, you, you could do a lot of things with your life. Why do you lead in this role? Uh, it's just an honor and a privilege uh, to be able to represent uh, another leader well. And, uh, uh, you know, the best New Testament word that talks about what we do as shepherd. And we know that uh, in John 10, 10, that whole idea, and, and also in Ephesians, where it talks about chief shepherd and under shepherds and all these different things. But, uh, you know, basically all shepherds, whether you're 
the head guy or an under shepherd all do the same thing. And uh, that is uh, we, we feed, uh, we're feeders, we're caregivers, and we're overseers. And so that whole idea of tending or feeding, helping with the care of, uh, of individuals as well as the feeding, and then that area of oversight we've been given. Uh, to be able, and all of us do the same thing. And to me, it's it's just a tremendous leader. And also the the selfish part of it, every leader I've served has deposited something in me that needed to be deposited. Absolutely. You know, that's the part that, um, you know, I uh, first pastor I ever worked for was a tremendous speaker, but he was a fabulous uh, organizer and could get more done really than anybody that um, I know. Uh, he uh, was a great rallier of people. The second pastor I worked for was a tremendous visionary. He didn't have uh, some of the integrity issues, right? And we went through some hard times there, but, but yet vision had it. Then the third pastor, uh, he couldn't preach his way out of a paper bag, but he was <laughs> a tremendous lover of people. Uh, mm. then I went to work for the fourth, uh, guy and he was, um, the good version of number two. And, uh, he had all the all the integrity and the leadership issues right, but he also was just a tremendous visionary. When Pastor Willie would come and uh, say three words to us, I've been thinking. We knew we were fixing to get out. <laughs> yeah, our whole calendar yeah. was going to change, and man, God was going to uh, get us doing something that was just going to be awesome. Uh, went to work for Pastor Number Five. He was the good version of number three, tremendous leader, tremendous communicator, but man, he knew how to love people. And after I worked for those five leaders, I thought, oh no, I've, I've got to work in another church because I've got to find the good version of number one. And I realized that all the things that Lord had done, I was the good version of number one. And wow. then now I went into work, you know, at the belonging for Pastor Alex and Henry. And um, there, what the Lord's teaching me is how to steward the presence of God and the value of Holy Spirit in the midst of all these other things. And, you know, I'm, I'm a better person. I'm a better father. I'm wow. a better minister because of the pastors I've got to represent and serve. You know, I think too many times we look at what we can do for them rather than what they can put into us that needs mm. to be put. In. That's beautiful. I, I love that. Why are second chair leaders vital to the kingdom? Like, like talk, talk about the value of that place. Everybody needs someone to represent them. Let's be honest, Jesus' ministry is not what he did on three three years on the earth. His ministry was sitting at the right hand of God, making intercession for the saints, what he's been doing the last 2,000 years. But he had to come and show people how to represent him and the kingdom about kingdom business and do those things. And just the whole idea of a senior leader 
they can't do everything. Uh, they're responsible for everything, but they right. have to have people that represent them. I love what Jesus said about the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen mm-hmm. who I represent. And too many times, second chair leaders represent their own agenda rather than represent it. You know, to me, if the greatest compliment is when people says, man, you've re- really changed over the years, I feel like there's been a reinventing of myself to represent the leaders that I represent well and to mm-hmm. steward uh, what they steward. And and, um, and so that's, you know, been the thing for me is I'm, I always say this, I'm only married to Julie. Everything else is constantly being <laughs> updated, changing, uh, going. And um, I am not, uh, I, th- I think what's different in, in me is I want to, you can learn something every day if you want to. And I want to. That reinventing your way, reinventing the wheel and constantly updating what's happening. Uh, that's one of the things that uh, working with millennial and younger leaders, I want I want to know what they know and what I need to be functioning and bring mm. to the table so I can serve my leader better. Yeah, well said, well said. Is there a revelation of leading second? And its power that is that has carried you over the years, like like a place that you've gone back to. Maybe it's in scripture, maybe it's a piece of wisdom, but something you know that you've gone back to over the years in the moments where it got tough or it got confusing. Yeah, I think there's been a double standard in our home life, in our work life. Every Christian couple I know of will tell you that divorce is not an option. Uh, right. Murder might be, but uh, divorce, <laughs> divorce is ne- feels like it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you think, well, murder, uh, but uh, no, but divorce is not an option. And yeah. um, I worked for a pastor one time, and he looked at me and he said, "What kind of relationship are we going to have?" And I said, "Well, I hope we have a good one." And uh, he asked me a question that's probably rocked my world more than any other question, and he said. Um, am I going to be able to have a bad day around you? Ooh, wow. And uh, I realized that what makes our marriages work is we have allowed our spouses to have a bad day and nobody talks about leaving. But mm. most of the time in the church, when you have a bad day or that parallel leadership or even the leaders above you have a bad day, we start using the leave word and uh, we start looking at uh, basically divorcing, which we wouldn't do that at home, but we do that at work. And so uh, that's been probably the thing that's gotten me by uh, Mm. with every pastor that I worked for. I worked for a pastor one time and he was just having a bad day. And even his son, who was on staff, usually uh, when we went to lunch, everybody ran out to get in the pastor's car and ride. That was on the executive team. And uh, that day, nobody got in his car but me. And uh, this pastor looked at me and he said, uh, you're not afraid of me, big boy? 
And, uh, you know, and I said, I can tell you're having a bad day. And obviously you need to chew on somebody's butt. I said, I have one of the biggest ones on staff. And if you need to <laughs> chew on one, here it is, buddy. I said, just bite it and go for it. And uh, uh, he started laughing. You know, that was the thing that sometimes your pastors just need to fuss at you. Uh, I don't know what's going on at home going that they have a bad day. Let them have a bad day. There's days I have a bad day and nobody talks about getting rid of you because you have a bad day. They love you through the bad day. And I think that I'm thankful for the leaders that I've been able to apologize to. And they've been able to apologize to me. It doesn't affect our relationship because it's just like my marriage. I have said this person can have a bad day. Beautiful. Wow. Why do you think second chair leaders leave their lane? And and let me qualify, I think, where this question is coming from for me. I think some I've seen over the course of time assume the number one role. Um, not I, I'm not gonna play like I'm God and I know everyone's calling, but I, I've just had a sense sometimes that maybe they got into it because they felt they had to, or that was the way to succeed, you know, whereas I I really feel called to place dignity and value on the second chair role for those that are actually called and assigned to it. Some of course, just leave the team like, like you've already brilliantly said, or, you know, or, or leave the church. So I'm just curious what you think about that. Why, why do you think second chair leaders leave their lane? I think so many times we get our worth from what we do rather than who Jesus is. And uh, I really do feel, uh, and maybe it's because I'm closer to 70 than I am 60 these days, and I look at what it was like to lead in my 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and now uh, headed to almost 70 and see what the Lord has. Um, I don't take this role for granted. Mm. I won't always have it. And I just look at it as an honor and privilege. And I have to, if I want what I've never had, I got to be willing to do what I've never done. That's right. And I think too many times, uh, second chair leaders get in where they are dependent on their own gifts and callings and strengths. And they take, this is what I do. This is who I am. Uh, rather than look at it as every day I get to lead at this level is a gift. And, uh, it won't always be available to me. And so while it is, I want to steward it well. Beautiful. And uh, I think too many times second chair leaders can believe their own press kit. And, you know, I just think that we just need to realize that without him, uh, we can do nothing. That's right. Uh, I I needed his help in my 20s, and I need it now as I'm in in these last days of ministry. Hmm. Let me let you minister here for a second, because I kind of feel like, especially several minutes into a podcast, you know, a lot of people have already pushed on to the next thing on their phone. So if someone's listening right now, I feel like they need it. You know, I feel like 
someone someone needs the words that you know Jesus would bring through you. So if there's a leader listening right now and they want to quit, and they they're looking for the off ramp um, in some way, shape, or form, what would you say directly to their heart uh, right now to that leader? Uh, to me, um, um, dead folks. Um, aren't in control. And mm. the first thing I would do is, is um, where has it become about you mm. and not about Jesus? One of the questions that come up on my calendar every four weeks is, are you more in love with Jesus today than you've ever been in your life? Mm. And And that's where I have to, I have to ask myself on a regular basis, what am I holding on to that in the presence of a holy God, I'd have to surrender and let go of? And I think that that's the main thing is, has there been any area where it's become about me? It's become about the job. It's become about the role. It's become about the power rather than the privilege to represent your leader and uh, steward what's happening at your church for your life. Beautiful. And, and to me, that's, that's the question I ask myself on a regular basis. Where do I, where do I need to make it right? Beautiful. Okay. So I have a bit of a different question for you. I've never asked this question of anybody, but now you just got my mind working um, you mentioned decades a minute ago. You mentioned twenties. You know, tw- faithful in your twenties and your thirties. So let me let me go through a couple decades with you because I feel like leadership is different in in different seasons of your life. So maybe let's start in our twenties for a minute. And do you have a piece of wisdom that you would give to a twenties, uh, a leader leading in their twenties? Yeah, you really don't know what you think you know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, and that's the most important thing. Yep. Yep. Okay. Let's, let's go thirties because I feel like, um, I see a lot of people make big moves in their thirties. You know, I feel like it's a consequential, uh, deck. It's kind of your Jesus years. I've, I've, I've come to think of it as, and you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of ministry happens and begins. What would you say to someone in their thirties? Someone in their thirties, I always say, this is where you wrestle with are you going to lead your own ministry or are you going to commit to um, work for somebody else? I don't care if it's ministry or not ministry. Uh, people I work with in their 30s are saying, I've been selling light bulbs for Mr. So-and-so for 15 years. Do I continue to sell light bulbs for him or do I build a better light bulb business? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that is, you know, that's one of the things, you know, if you've read Buford's halftime book, which I've probably bought more of those for people turning 40 than um, anything. 30s are when you start seeing some success and uh, you start answering some really deep life questions like, do I work for somebody else? Do yeah, I yeah. work Great. for me? And that's where you see. And then 40s is where you move. Buford talks about it. You move from success to significance. 
And so being an Alabama fan, you know, no matter how many points you score in the first half, you can't win a game. Uh, in the first half, you have to get the second half. Thank God I yell for a second half team that uh, predominantly does their best work in the second half, but they can't move to that second half without a halftime. Mm. Anybody in their 40s, if you hadn't read this book, I highly recommend it, Bob Buford's Halftime. And uh, what a halftime is, is a time of evaluation, a time of just circling in, seeing what do I need to do to move from first half to second half and move from that place of success to significance. Uh, Mm. And so 40s is when you make changes to be a significant leader. Mm. Wow. You know, it's so so funny you said that. I turned 40 um, at the end of 2020. And... um, I started, I started feeling the question of, you know, my, my heart's always been for, for younger leaders leading second, our audience is, 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 you know, excuse, he's quite a bit younger. And, um, but I started feeling God prompt me with the question of, are you willing to be a spiritual father? You know, which is funny because I still have young kids. My, old, my oldest is only 10 and, you know, but yet you can be a spiritual father you know, um, that, that really goes beyond age and that he, even at 40, I guess what I'm saying is it felt young to be asking those questions, but that really became the theme of my heart coming out of COVID is, is to father, if that makes sense. And I feel like you're kind of giving language to that. Yeah. And my kids are the same age as you. And so Mm -hmm. I look at it as I had to move from being a spiritual father to a spiritual Mm -hmm. grandfather. And, you know, the one thing about grandparenting that nobody told me, you know, you know, you're going to be crazy about your grandkids. Right. Uh, uh, But nobody told me how cool it was to watch my kids be parents. Mm, Wow. When I watch my sons-in-law be the fathers of my grandkids, I'm blown away. I'm so honored that they get to father uh, my grands. And I watch uh, my daughters be the best moms in the world. And I know where they learned it. It makes me love my wife more, makes mm. me appreciate how my, my girls parent. And I just love to go watch them parent, uh, mm. wow. and, uh, just, uh, you know, cheer in that area. But as a, you know, um, in my fifties is when I realized it was about other people. And uh, that's significant of being a father, but then by fifties, letting them lead. And you, you know, right now in your forties, you're doing, yes, you're a father, but you're showing a lot Mm. uh, what to do in your fifties. You're leading by coaching. You're leading by cheering. You're leading by encouragement. Uh, You're leading by catching them doing things right. Uh, and then in my sixties, it's been about legacy. Who's going to do this, this new book that I just, uh, uh, authentic leadership that lasts is actually a redo of a book I wrote 25 years ago. Uh, because when I read it, I realized number one, I wasn't the same guy that wrote it the first time. And number two, uh, I had learned more about leadership 
and was leading differently than when I wrote the book the first time. So, so I, rather than just rewrite the book, I had to start over again and talk about things like leading from the inside out, leading by example. Uh, it's not so much what you do, but who you are. And, and some of those things from that 40 and 50, you know, the book was written with 20 year experience and 30 year experience. And now I'm able to write it through forties, uh, fifties, sixties, and moving on to wow. the next one experience. Wow. And so it's been one of those things that, that, um, you know, uh, even in this decade. And as I look at, you know, when I left church on the move back in 2007, which I can't believe I've been gone 15 years, but, and it's one of those things that, uh, the Lord said, you're going to spend the rest of your life putting into younger leaders. And I realized that was younger in age and younger in experience. And that's really that whole idea of spiritual father, spiritual grandfather, uh, putting into folks where, um, the things that taught me 36, 40 years to learn, uh, I want other people to learn it now and not yeah. have to take that long. So they'll be able to catapult into um, the success that God has called them into. So, um, you know, uh, I'm not a big retirement guy. Uh, I have realized in the last week or two that um, I need to be open to going part-time someday. Um, <laughs> but uh, it is one of those things that, uh, you know, in the Bible, when the Lord was done with people, he just took them home. I know, yeah. He didn't put them in an RV and, uh, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, that uh, I wouldn't be happy if I can. So it's, it's, you know, so fun. I love it. Well, I'll just speak on behalf of anyone listening and just say, please write your books. We'd, we'd read them. We need them. And uh, certainly thankful for your voice. Uh, in the church today, we're better for it, and I know I know a lot of people are going to listen to this and feel the same thing in their heart. So I want to I want to say thank you for for this, thank you for your deposit, and um, I will be calling you at some point. I know we're gonna we're gonna keep talking because I, I there's just we're just scratching the surface. I know of what God has done in your life. So thank you for that. I have one question left before we before we land the plane, uh, and that would just simply be this. Uh, zooming out a little bit and looking at the church right now, uh, what is your greatest prayer for the local church in this season that we find ourselves leading in? My greatest prayer is that um, we don't we don't just attend online, yeah, but we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And then, as we say at the belonging, service might be over, but church is not. And for us to be the church, but it's a one-two punch. It's not just uh, watch and then go serve. It's participate, experience, and go out. And I think that's the biggest thing that I never thought I'd see the day that once a month would be considered faithful. And you know, that's the bar in the world, research yeah. world we live yeah. in. I'm going to a team night uh, tonight, and uh, it's taco team night. Uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, uh, we're going to, 
just work on our workers having the same heart so they can be the church and to serve. And I still think it's important uh, for us to build strong teams. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, sir. Loved having you on today. Thankful for your voice and appreciate you. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com. Follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.